You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Focus Hope celebrates its 50th anniversary tomorrow. Nonprofit has been pursuing its mission to overcome racism, poverty, and injustice here in Detroit since 1968. But Focus Hope also finds itself at a crossroads. It's in the middle of some major restructuring, including leadership changes at the top and decisions about the organization's programs That'll have to come soon. It's finalizing a deal to sell its former headquarters building on its northwest Detroit campus as part of a larger effort to deal with financial troubles. Focus Hope wants to stabilize its budget as the environment for nonprofits here in Detroit seems to be changing pretty quickly. There's a lot of philanthropy and nonprofit programming happening here right now, but that also means more competition for existing nonprofits. And as always, competition for dollars. Joining us now to talk a little more about that landscape for nonprofits here in Detroit is Sherry Welch. She is a senior reporter who covers nonprofits at Crane's Detroit Business. Sherry, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, this idea of Focus Hope, uh, you you wrote a piece recently uh, about uh, Focus Hope trying to get leaner uh, as as things get tougher, I guess, to, to maintain that. It's a real, uh, for me, it's a very, that's sort of a very personal uh, uh, development. Focus Hope is uh, an organization I grew up with uh, as a student at U of D Jesuit High School. Eleanor Jositis uh, came to, um, to the school when I was 12, I think, and, and talked to us about the uh, importance of that organization, the importance of us being involved in it. Tell right. me, tell me what's happened. That's in the '80s uh, when uh, when things seemed, I think, pretty stable uh, for Focus Hope and other organizations like it. Tell me what's changed since then, and and why we're now thinking of them in a very different financial space. They um, clearly have a, a mission, Stephen, that resonates with a lot of people, and they've really made a mark in workforce development. That's been the mainstay, you know, Eleanor Jositis really carved out a, not only a local reputation, but a national reputation for Focus Hope in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, things shifted, obviously, you know, while Eleanor was still alive, Focus Hope had to exit, you know, automotive supply business. And they've been, you know, um, unfortunately, they, they've lost some earmarks over the years that, that were in place. Stuff started to go downhill at that point. Um, you know, they have had different contracts, but always trying to fill that gap and and stay, you know, on a, a sustainable revenue model. Um, there's also been new programming introduced, and, and the new chair of Focus Hope might tell you that um, there's, you know, been a little bit of uh, mission creep that they're trying to guard against. Um, so they can speak to their, their programs better than I, of course. Uh, I think you're going to have Bernice Davis-Anthony yeah, on. they're going to be here a little later in the show. Yeah, but, but um, they can speak to, you know, the approach that they're taking. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're looking at um, selling their former headquarters building, you know, some industrial space across from it, some of their satellite food locations, perhaps, um, trying to, I think, return to their core yeah. uh, to, of what, what they were doing and, and maybe look at closely at some of the other programs. Again, I, I'm not, I can't speak for them, but, you know, they had a Hope Village initiative to, to work on the, you know, uh, cleaning up the neighborhood around mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Those things are probably all being reviewed in the context of, of, you know, making sure they have a sustainable revenue model at this point. Yeah. Uh, all of those things that you mentioned there are, are things that need to be done here in the city of Detroit. And government has never really been able 
to, to support those things fully. The private sector doesn't have a terrible amount of incentive to do it. If, if uh, Focus Hope is retreating from those spaces, are we going to see other nonprofits move into that? Uh, but uh, I guess, and, and, and uh, I guess what I'm getting at there is this this question of whether what's going on at Focus Hope is about a larger shift uh, in the role and support for uh, philanthropic activity here in Detroit. Well, um, when you say you know moving out of that space, Stephen, I, I'm not sure if if you mean you know like sort of the the side stuff they were doing or workforce development. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as workforce development goes, I think this has been very well reported that there, you know, that there's a thought uh, that there are many workforce development agencies working in and around Detroit these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Some would say too many. <laughs> so the mayor's uh, workforce, you know, development board is, is working on that and helping to craft, you know, something that's not a scattershot approach to try and really have impact with workforce development in the city. And, and Focus Hope is in that space. They've won contracts, you know, in that space you know, over the last year. So they still have a name for themselves. I'm not sure if they would move away from that or not. Again, Vernies can speak better to that. But there's a lot of competition in that space. And as you referenced, um, you know, even expanding out from workforce development contracts, a big part of what Focus Hope does as well as senior meal programs. And they have, you know, early um, childhood education programs. Some of those come with, you know, um, dedicated federal funding. So they are, quote, unquote, safe, so to speak. But you have to look at the national environment and everything that's happening right now. Um, you know, Focus Hope has been fortunate to have some loyal, long-term corporate supporters, long-time individual donors, people like yourself who are very connected to their mission. But there are things changing. If you look at tax reform, we, we wrote about that this week, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, about, you know, it, it, the broad reporting that the new standardized deduction is likely to take away an incentive that many people had to make charitable donations. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a competing school of thought there that, you know, says charitable giving will not be impacted for nonprofits that have deep relationships with their donors and people don't make those gifts because they can get a tax incentive. And that's a valid point. But, you know, by and large, if, if you sort of do a survey, most experts are believing that, that, you know, standardized deduction is going to hit charitable giving uh, for nonprofits and, and many count on count on that as part of their annual revenue mix. So you have that. You also have um, stack on, you know, three new taxes for charitable nonprofits and the potential to expand, you know, the unrelated business income tax on nonprofits. All of those things are going to start squeezing. And they add to another uh, thing that we've been watching is, you know, the um, local corporations, uh, local private foundations, either honing, you know, narrowing the focus uh, of what they fund or shifting it. You know, McGregor Fund recently shifted to human, you know, service. They don't feel we've made enough, you know, uh, progress here in Detroit. So right. they've shifted to human service funding. So you start to see that and you start to see nonprofits getting squeezed on multiple fronts. Um, you know, that the word on the street is this there could be another wave of consolidation coming in the sector. Yeah, yeah. And and so how does that end up affecting the people who rely on, on on these services is there is there sort of a seamless transition to another uh, provider, or are we looking at uh, tougher times for folks who, who who need these things? I think you you hit it on the the, the second part of that statement, Stephen. Um, yeah. Seamless, you know, I know nonprofits when when they um, shed programs, uh, they they try to find you know they try to make it seamless for the people they serve. But, you know, the, the question is, I, I can't say that it always is. Um, I think those folks, 
you know, are going to face tougher times. And, you know, one, one more thing on the revenue front that I didn't mention earlier that can, in fact, impact, you know, the individuals as well as the nonprofits is federal funding for uh, the programs that nonprofits, especially charitable nonprofits, are providing. So as we have to look at paying for tax reform, the new taxes on the charitable nonprofits are one small, tiny piece of, of helping pay for that. Yeah. But going forward, I'm told that, you know, the government's going to be looking hard and heavy at the discretionary pots of income. And those are going to be the first things that take a hit. And those discretionary pots, by and large, are funding nonprofit programs. Yeah. So there's going to be more cuts. The so nonprofits are going to be scrambling, looking for ways to help continue to serve those people. Um, I, I'm not sure where where they're going to land. You know, you know, the safety net has always been in place, but mm-hmm. what happens to it when when it's getting you know pressure on all these revenue funds? It's yeah. a, something we're going to watch play out, but um, nobody has good predictions about it. Okay. Sherry Wealth, senior reporter covering nonprofits for Crane's Detroit Business. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for the opportunity, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Up next, we're going to talk to Focus Hope about their recent troubles and what it means for the landscape of nonprofits in the region. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about nonprofits here in the city, the support that they give to uh, other agencies, other institutions in providing for. Uh, things that we that we need here in the city of Detroit. Think of things like workforce development. Think of things like food assistance. The other parts of the social safety net that are held together in large part by nonprofits. And of course, when you say nonprofit here in the city of Detroit, one of the first things that comes to mind is Focus Hope, the organization that will be celebrating its 50th anniversary in the city. This year, and we're going to talk a little more about Focus Hope and some of the changes taking place there. But we also want to continue the conversation about the current scan- landscape for nonprofits in Detroit and how that is changing. And joining us to continue that conversation is Vernice Davis Anthony. She's the interim CEO at Focus Hope. Vernice, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Yes, it's good to see you. Uh, also with us is Kelly Kuhn, who is the vice president of the Michigan Nonprofit. Association. Kelly, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Vernice, uh, let's start with uh, the, the sort of current state of Focus Hope, uh, the, the things that are changing there, the things that need to change there, and uh, uh, why that change is, is happening. Well, the, the current state of uh, Focus Hope is strong at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we have had the Financial difficulties. I mean, I did listen to to Sherry before this, Mm -hmm. and uh, we are celebrating 50 years. And as you know, in this past 50 years, many nonprofits have come and gone. Yes, they have. (laughs) Uh, But we're still here. We're very strong. That mission of intelligent and practical action to overcome racism, poverty, and injustice Mm -hmm. is more meaningful today than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But with that, being true to that mission, uh, we recognized that we had to make some some very significant decisions in order to thrive 
into the next 50 years. Yeah. So, so what we've done is uh, develop a plan to, first of all, uh, improve our financial stability. And I'm very proud to say that we've turned that corner, but that plan has to continue and also to sharpen and focus our programs. In terms of financial stability, uh, one of our strategies is to sell unused assets, largely buildings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Focus Hope owns a lot of stuff. (laughs) A lot of property, a lot of property that's been unused. And uh, we believe this is valuable property that should be used and could be used. Yeah. So that's for sale. We're very close to signing the deal, you know, for what we call the resource center that used to be the headquarters. And we'll be very pleased and we'll be making a major announcement on that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it demonstrates the life that could be brought to Oakman Boulevard, yeah. you know, by bringing those buildings alive with tenants. So we're looking at, at reducing our costs and increasing our revenues. Mm-hmm. We got a major $2 million state grant, great help from a couple foundations. But in addition to that, the question is, and I've heard you talk about workforce development, yeah. what do we do? Yeah, and, and that, that for me in the last 10 to 20 years has been, uh, I think, the, the thing that I, I feel like the community is, is dependent on Focus Hope to provide even more and the services exactly. that I would remember as a kid, uh, the, the, the the massive scale of the workforce training exactly. at Focus Hope, is it's hard to imagine well, how uh, we do without that. Well, a lot has changed. You know, Focus Hope changed, as did the auto industry, had right. to change. You right. know, things got different, things got smaller. So with our training program and going forward, we've decided that uh, education and empowerment is the actual thread as to how we will act out mm-hmm. our mission. Mm-hmm. And the huge part of that, the major part of that, is workforce development. But what we want to do different than what we've done in the past is have the companies and businesses up front invest in the workforce. We don't want to just train people, then let's help you find a job. Right, right. We want the corporations Pair to commit. the training with the job. Commit, and that's what we've done. We have several excellent projects underway. Flexingate, for example, mm-hmm. you know, several hundred people that Flexingate has agreed to hire and will hire. We will do the upfront readiness training. That's our unique skill. Yeah, yeah. Not so much the technical side of the training, but getting people ready. Ready for work. Ready for work, ready to learn, yeah. providing those additional supports. And what we've discovered and we've proven again and again that work, workers that go through that process are much more likely to keep that job, you know, and, and be able to continue to work and much less turnover. So Flexingate is a great project that we're so pleased with that. We have a trucking program with Arvin Meritor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, training people to be ready to learn how to be truck drivers. Very good paying jobs. We're not talking about minimum wage jobs. We're talking about jobs that pay well. And we are recently just engaged in a project with Henry Ford Hospital and uh, a company that does hospital laundry and where we will be getting the people ready to work and ready to be trained. So we're offering that services to businesses. But as you've said, funding is drying up, but the need for workers is not. It's not, right. And we have got to be able to do that, and we believe that the companies in Detroit have got to come to the table, and, and we're seeing that beginning to happen. Yeah, uh, Kelly, talk about how this looks 
across the landscape of nonprofits here in in Michigan, and what is driving the change that that we're seeing affect Focus Hope, uh, but but I imagine also seeing it affect uh, other nonprofits. Yeah. So in the space of you know that competitiveness and, and the dried up resources, I think there's been a couple um, specific things that have happened over time. Um, I don't think it's necessarily one particular. Um, thing that happened. Mm -hmm. I think it's a culmination of things over time that also happened simultaneously. So um, in thinking about how traditionally nonprofits um, get revenue, um, grants certainly comes to mind, and those might come in the form of foundation grants, corporate grants, government grants, also contracts. And what we've steadily seen over time is those funding resources have dried up or they've been reduced with the expectation that nonprofits will still compete for those funds. So there's less funds for the same amount of nonprofits to compete for, and there's also expectation that the nonprofits that secure those resources will continue to provide services at the same level that they have historically done. Um, and I think that's one, one area. I think another area, um, while we've seen a lot of investment um, in a lot of different um, things happening um, across communities, in Michigan, um, when foundations, corporate, um, private, what, whatever foundation maybe makes a pivot in the um, way in which and in the priorities in which they fund, that can be pretty impactful to a nonprofit as well. And that could either be a reduction again in resources um, over time. So sometimes they implement opportunities where they work with nonprofits to say over time we're going to reduce the funding, mm -hmm. um, or they may unfortunately reduce, um, you know, within within a period of time. And so shift in funding priorities can sometimes impact the way in which revenue comes in. And then certainly Michigan took a, a little longer than the rest of the country to come out of the recession, and I know it seems like that is, has been some time ago. But I think one of the other ways that nonprofits um, certainly secure resources is through general contributions and individual givers. And believe it or not, 70% of the giving that nonprofits receive generally comes from individuals. And when you have economic impact like recession, not just on individuals, but the corporations and things, you're um, definitely going to see the reduction. I mean, we heard story after story from nonprofits where their donors became their clients mm -hmm. or their customers. Wow. And that often takes a long time to, you know, just for the economy to adapt let alone a nonprofit that may be under-resourced already in some ways, and I'm, and I'm generalizing, not all nonprofits are that, but it sometimes can take a little longer for that pivot to happen for a nonprofit. And, um, and in some cases, if a nonprofit diversified its funding base, like good practice would tell you, that perfect storm would often hit them at the same time. And so they were li literally eliminating programs um, with little to no notice. And and the impact that that has on the culture of the organization, as well as the impact on community when community members are not being served in those services, um, could be, I think that that certainly speaks to the landscape in which nonprofits have had to operate. Now, yeah. I will just always think positively about that same kind of experience and what that challenged nonprofits to do too, and that's where you're seeing some of the really innovative investment that's happening now across community is they've had to think differently in how they operate. They've had to think differently on how they build relationships. And I think the example of 
um, that Vernice mentioned around working with building relationships with corporations. It's not just necessarily leveraging their capital power. It's leveraging other assets, their human capital, maybe um, their R&D, their critical thinking that help um, build and sustain nonprofits. And so I think it's also created an environment that's really, really challenged all of us to think differently. And I think you're seeing those major collaborations starting to form and come out and be very successful. And we're seeing investment in that happening too. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah ahead, I, I really appreciate our partnership with the city, DESC, and, uh, you know, the mayor's effort. The workforce know, to, development. Yes. Uh, the mayor's and, effort to get, you know, intimately involved. And, and we're definitely working with uh, funding from DSC for our workforce training projects. And uh, Focus Hope being in the city and of the city, uh, none of the uh, nonprofits that are in the city have been able to escape, you know, the impacts, you know, of the downturn in the city. And we've done a great job downtown. The Focus Hope, we service a broad community, but we're still neighborhood-based. We're neighborhood-based, so we've got to serve those that really have not been touched, you know, in many ways by the improvement uh, in the economy. Yeah. So I think we've weathered the storm, <laughs> and, and I'm very, very pleased to say that. And I know you're running out of time, but i yeah. got to mention our 50th Yeah, no, I, I was going to say in the last couple of minutes here, let's talk about the 50th anniversary of Focus Hope. That's such a big deal. Yes. Uh, a lot of 50th uh, yes. anniversaries being celebrated this year, but I think this is this is one of the more notable it's, ones. It's extremely notable given uh, the 60s, and I'll say that I was living in the neighborhood of Focus Hope in 1968, right on wow. Ford Street uh, and 12th, okay. 12th Street and Ford, yeah. about three blocks from Focus Hope, mm-hmm. student at Wayne State University, <laughs> uh, very involved you know, and everything that was happening uh, in the 60s and, and just there to see Focus Hope be born, you know, and serve the food program, Yes, you know, which serves over 41,000 seniors. Still, I mean, still uh, that's going the thing, strong, right? And it's still a need. And that need doesn't go away in this and community. And going you know, away. So we are celebrating uh, tomorrow, the 8th. We're mm-hmm. celebrating with our employees with, with cake and, and memorable moments. But April 20th, uh, Heroes for Hope is our major uh, anniversary celebration where we're hoping to see many folks come out. We're giving an award to uh, Matt Simonchi, Chief Executive Officer of Lear. Uh-huh. Uh, also, the Eleanor Josidas Award to Cardinal Joseph Tobin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lloyd Ross Award to uh, Alicia Bowler Davis, who's Executive Vice President of Global Manufacturing of General Motors. And the Visionary Award to our own Tanya Allen. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. President and CEO of the Skillman <laughs> Foundation. Skillman, yeah. So those great people will be recognized in celebration of our 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on the 50 years. And, of course, uh, good luck uh, figuring out all of the, the challenges that you have. But I'm, I'm quite confident, uh, given that you've been around for 50 years and knowing uh, who's, who's been invo- involved with that organization, that it will work out, and you will continue all the great work here in the community. All right, Vernice Dan- uh, D- Davis-Anthony, Interim CEO of Focus Hope, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Okay, thank you. Thank also, you, Stephen. And also, remind people to check out our website if yes. you're interested in if any of those training 50th. programs. Yeah, or the programs. Yeah, yeah right. if you're interested in the services, <laughs> right. please check out our website. Right. And Kelly Kuhn, who's the Vice President of Michigan Nonprofit Association, thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Remember, if you had to miss 
any of today's show. You don't have to miss out on Detroit Today. You can hear it, and you can hear other past editions of Detroit Today as well on the Detroit Today podcast. Just go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you, and you can listen when you are ready. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan, and the associate producers are Gus Navarro, and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.